Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Listen to Scoop Radio with Brandon Robinson. Scoop Radio. Heavy live with Scoop B. Always a place to be and a pleasure. What's going on, everybody? Brandon Scoopy Robinson, senior writer at Heavy.com. Heavy Live with Scoop B. Always a place to be and a pleasure whenever you got family coming through. None other than SNY NBA Knicks Nets reporter. Can't forget the fact that he's also the host of the digital show, The Putback. My man, man, Ian Bagley. Thanks. Welcome to Heavy Live with Scoop B. Brandon, thank you so much for having me, bro. I appreciate it. It's uh, This is a big seat. I mean, Isaiah was here. Got a lot of celebrities in this seat. So, I, you know, I'm honored to, to be here because this is legit. This is legit real estate. Of course. I mean, you're a celebrity, too. You, you've got <laughs> goes on with the Knicks and the Nets, man. So I won't sell you short at all. You, you Your journey and, and how you got to where you are now, I'm fascinated. I appreciate that, bro. Well, listen, tell my wife that so, uh, you know, she can at least think she can see that somebody says that out there. And it's <laughs> it's not just a figment of uh, my imagination. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. I really you're do. Welcome. You're welcome. Me and you go back to the uh, ESPN days with you. Um, we've been trying to get you on for a while. And uh, I'm glad to make it happen because the topic of at hand, the Knicks, Chris yes. Paul. Mm-hmm. If you look in your crystal ball, mm-hmm. do you see him playing at two Pennsylvania Plaza next season? Um, I think it depends. In my crystal ball, it depends on what OKC is going to ask for or will ask for as we get closer to when the trade has to happen. And so, since there's no real deadline here, we're not dealing with a trade deadline. I would think that the Knicks would want a deal like that in place before the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still don't know when trades can happen. So it's kind of you're, you're dealing with uh, some uncertain timelines, but I think once you get closer to that date, whatever it may be, um, it depends on what OKC is asking for. And I think if if they kind of can maybe come down and, and get to where the Knicks are or where they would like to be, 
Uh, I think there's a deal to be had, but I, you know, just from what I've been hearing over the last few days and weeks, I don't think there's anything close to a deal in place at this point. The draft is coming up November 18th to be exact. Uh, it's so weird. Uh, we went from the June 25th to the November 18th. Of course, the COVID pandemic shifted everything from the finals being in the bubble and the playoffs being in the bubble to just the way we live our lives. Uh, what are you hearing uh, as it relates to the Knicks uh, and their uh, interest with pick number four uh, in, in next month's draft? Well, so I think that I think all options are, are still on the table. I think they're exploring uh, a few different avenues at, at eight. So they're, I think that they will continue to look into possibly moving up, staying at eight or trading down. I don't, I don't think, at least I don't get the sense. Maybe they have already. I don't get the sense that they're settled one way or the other. Uh, I know that there are players that they like that could be there at eight. Uh, Kyra Lewis Jr., mm-hmm. somebody they watched work out this week, uh, which is significant because you mentioned it with COVID. The rules are so different, Brandon, this year. As you know, you can only uh, meet with, watch work, watch guys work out 10 times or 10 different players, whatever. So it's limited. So now if you're doing that, if you're committing one of those spots to a player, it tells you that, you know, it tells the fan that they really like that player. So Kyra Lewis is a guy that they like. Um, I know that there's some fans of Isaac Okoro mm-hmm. over there, some fans of Devin Vassell. And, you know, you just wonder if you're at eight, is the best player available a point guard? If it isn't, do you go best player available or do you target a specific position? I think they're in a place where they just need as much talent as they can get. So you probably go BPA at eight if you do stay there. Let me ask you this, by the way. What's up? I don't want to be the one being just interviewed here. What are you hearing? Can we go there? Where, Where? what are you hearing about the Knicks? Nah, you know come on, man. You know I don't have no sources. You, you, Chris Paul, come on, man. <laughs> I, I want to talk about your crystal ball. So you want to know about Chris Paul? What do you think happens? Is he in the garden December 22nd or whenever, whenever they open up? Or is he somewhere else? Is he in Philly? What I well, so first and foremost, um, for those who are paying attention, my report around Labor Day weekend has about nine different teams um, that that are interested. Um, the Knicks primarily are, are interested. They're about as interested as, uh, from what I've heard, a steak in front of a dog, hungry dog. Um, but the thing that makes logical sense, and I was thinking about this yesterday, Philly makes all the sense in the world, uh, particularly because you know I had Rashad Phillips, who you had on the putback. Uh, we're going to get into that in a minute. Love but Yes, sir. Had him on uh, my podcast, Scoopy Radio. One of the things that he discussed was, you know, Philly's need for a point guard, wanting to shift Ben Simmons more to the four position full time. And, you know, they tried it with Shake Milton and, and things of that sort. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, I look at the situation with the Sixers, and I think that um, they, that makes a lot of sense if the Knicks does not happen. Um, but I but I also think it makes a lot of sense, particularly because of Daryl Morey's hire. Um, Daryl Morey going to the Sixers as the, becoming the president of basketball operations makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the Sixers, I think the Knicks make a lot of sense. Um, but I think he's going somewhere. Um, I, I think that the Knicks was what I was hearing a lot of static about back in September. Um, but to me, the Sixers do make a lot of sense. As far as yeah. the draft, um, it's I, that's not my lane. Um, but I but I do think that when it's all said and done, 
Um, I could see the Knicks potentially dealing their pick the fourth yeah. pick. I don't think they necessarily have to draft somebody. I think this draft is very interesting. Yeah, I think that, I, again, I think they're they're kind of kicking the tires on everything. And with the Chris Paul thing, one one factor that I have to think will matter, I don't know if it's the top factor or where it lands, but I think it's a factor is where does Chris want to go? Like, What does he want to do? Does he want to compete for a title? Then you would think, you know, he says, send me to Philly or Milwaukee or, LA, or an L.A. team or whatever. Does he want to? I, don't, I, I assume he lives in L.A. Does he want to uproot his family, bring them to New York with all this uncertainty with the yeah. pandemic? Then maybe he says, send me to the Knicks. And if you look at you know, the recent history of Sam Presti and OKC when uh, with the Russell Westbrook deal, he sent Westbrook to a place that he wanted to go in Houston. And you look at uh, there was another recent deal, Paul George. He sent Paul George to the Clippers where he wanted to go. So I think if Chris says, hey, Let's make this work. I'd like to go here. Can you get me here? I, I would think that Oklahoma City finds a way to get that done. So I think that's a factor too. You know, it's interesting you bring that up. I, you know, I was with Russ the, the day he got traded. And right, man, I, was that the, uh, the comedy show? Wrong, the comedy, yeah. right? Comedy. Yes, I remember that. So from what from what I was told, um, Miami and Houston were the two teams um, that Russ wanted to go to. Uh, mm -hmm. Right, Sam Presti granted him that wish um, to Houston, and I'm not throwing any rumors out there. But what I'm saying is, um, on the floor running in Oklahoma, like when the deal first happened, you were hearing a lot of Chris Paul buyout Miami. Yeah, and to me, um, Chris Paul doesn't want to give up any money. When no, you look no. at the <laughs> he's opting into that last year of his deal. He already said it. It's, it's happening. And so when you look at that situation, you know, Chris Paul has wanted to go to Los Angeles, but you, the only way to do that is a buyout. That's tough. Yeah. Um, Miami, to me, makes sense now, retrospectively, if he found his way to Miami. The only holdup with Miami was, for Chris Paul was, you know, Miami didn't want to give up Tyler Hero, rightly so, because look at what he did in the playoffs. Um, it's it, 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 Miami would have been a, would have been a perfect fit for Chris Paul, mm -hmm. particularly this season. It would have been cool to see him and you know LeBron go toe to toe mm -hmm. um, in, the, in the in the finals. But yeah, man, when I when when you bring up the part about Sam Presti, he won't take any of my calls. Uh, but when you look at <laughs> when you look at, you look at um, what what Sam Presti has done when you talk about uh, Paul George last year, you know, he helped out Kawhi too. Uh, if, if you subscribe to that theory, but yeah. at the same time, I, I do think that um, he's pretty much a congenial, um, a, a general manager within the, the national basketball association. So I think what you bring up about Chris Paul makes a lot of sense. We had Isaiah on uh, Isaiah Thomas the other day and, you know, he made mention of the fact, you know, I'm sure Chris Paul wishes he was 23 years old playing in Madison Square Garden at this point. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, me. Right. Where there's your a future ahead of you and you could maybe, uh, you know, navigate your way to building a winner. Absolutely. Um, it's another intriguing aspect as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Around Labor Day weekend, Giannis Antetokounmpo presented the Bucks with a list of players and options that he'd like to play with. One of them being Chris Paul. Mm -hmm. I think That's Milwaukee makes the most plausible sense. The, uh, I mean, listen, if he says he wants to go win, try to win a title, 
Yes, I think you go there, you go Philly, you look at Miami or, or the L.A. teams, even though it's a, a tough route. The thing with Milwaukee, I think if I'm Oklahoma City, I want to take back expiring contracts and or young players and picks in that deal. I don't want to take back any money. And I think Milwaukee could satisfy that to a degree, but you may have to get a third team involved uh, to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're committed to going all in and Chris Paul wants to go there, uh, you know, it's an expensive salary to pay Chris's salary this year, next year, but uh, it would certainly improve uh, what we saw uh, from Milwaukee in the playoffs where I think they're the, the lead guard spot, I think hurt them uh, mm-hmm. a little bit too much. So you put Chris Paul there and that's a better team. Eric Bledsoe would have to be moved in that deal too. Yeah. And when I look at the three team trade, the thing that stands out to me immensely uh, is the Al Horford contract that everybody is like, uh, in Philadelphia, and also Chris Middleton and out in, in Milwaukee. Um, that tr- that that contract may have to be moved too. Who wants it? it it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you bring up Horford and and contracts that maybe some fans see as as undesirable. I thought it was interesting. The other day, I started to hear about the Knicks being willing or telling teams that they're willing to take on bad contracts in exchange for like a, a young asset or, or a pick and just using their cap space that way. Uh, I don't like, I don't know which route they would go or, or who, how many years of a contract they would be open to absorbing. But I would think if they get another pick in that deal, that could strengthen uh, their approach to trying to move up in the draft. So it's just, there's so many moving parts. Nobody even knows when free agency is going to start. Nobody knows when you're going to be able to start to make trades. So, Everything is kind of up in the air, but these are just, you know, things that are kind of bouncing around among teams right now. Isn't it crazy that there is a, a, a huge possibility that we may start the NBA season either December 22nd on Martin Luther King Day? I was just starting to enjoy some naps. How about you? <laughs> well, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Uh, we had some things planned where, you know, because of the virus, you got to be very careful. So we had plan, planned some things out where we – could ensure that we were okay, and then go visit my kids' grandparents on both sides, my wife's parents, my parents. And then, uh, you know, we learned through ESPN earlier this week or last week, whatever, that they were thinking about before Christmas. That threw a wrench into those plans big time. So we're trying to trying to navigate the situation from a family standpoint. And I thought we, like you, I thought maybe we'd have a little bit of an off season, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. The Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I heard uh, a birdie told me they got some guy named Kyrie Irving and some other gentleman named uh, Kevin Durant on that. <laughs> um, what do you what do you make of that team uh, going into the 2020 2021 season? I mean, just as someone who loves watching basketball, I can't wait to see them play. I mean, it's just going to be so fascinating to watch. And I think entertaining to watch two players at that level uh, play. Uh, 82 games or however many games, 72 games, whatever it is. And then through the grind of a playoff season, you know, they've never played together before. And with Kevin Durant, you know, he hasn't played with this set of teammates, whatever the set of teammates may be. They haven't played for their head coach yet in the past. And the head coach hasn't been a head coach in the NBA. So there's so many like different elements there that are new. It's just going to be fascinating to me to see, how it all comes together for them over the course of the season. And just to see, I mean, again, those two play together and, and what we're going to see on offense, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. 
Steve Nash, Kyrie, KD, Spencer Dinwiddie. You covered Amari Stoudemire when he was a Nick. Yeah. What do you think of the Nash Amari Stoudemire reunion on the bench in Brooklyn? A couple of different thoughts. One is I know that Amari, both young guys with the Knicks, but also the young guys who played with him over in Israel, they really spoke highly of him as a veteran leader, as somebody who really wanted to teach the game and help them uh, learn about life as a professional on and off the court. So, you know, from that perspective, to me, it makes a ton of sense. Um, just for Amari to be able to to lend his wisdom to, to some of the Nets. And now they're talking about him as a, a player development coach. So the other thing that I think about is those guys grind. Those player development coaches, man, they're like, they're on call 24 hours a day. If a player wants to go get shots up on an off day, they're there. They have to go rebound. And, they're you know, so those guys work long hours. And the thing that I wonder is, you know, Amari, NBA All-Star, it's just a different – it's a different lifestyle. So I'm not suggesting that he's not committed to that. Maybe they won't even have him in that role. But, you know, I just I, I wonder about that change in lifestyle going from a professional basketball player and now you're grinding as an assistant coach. And so why is Ian Bagley in the place well, with uh, the Heavy Live with Scoopy show? We're on all Facebook channels, uh, Chicago Bulls uh, Heavy channel, as well as uh, heavy on Celtics, heavy on Lakers, uh, and more. I, I'm curious to know. I, I, I took my crystal ball out. I, I put it back in the closet, um, but I'm going to dust it off really quick. Um, if you had your druthers, um, if you had to pick between uh, a backup point guard situation and Drew Holiday or Victor Olab Oladipo for the Nets, who would you pick and why? Uh, so I'll put, I guess I'll put my GM hat on. Uh, <laughs> and so – I think I kind of depend. Well, wait a minute. You said they would because I think if you get Drew Holiday, wouldn't he share the backcourt? However, you want to form it, share the backcourt. Like he's not going to come off the bench mm -hmm. for Brooklyn, right? If they traded for him, that would be my assumption. Am I wrong? I mean, you look at the the, the Pelicans and what he did. He he can shift to both one and in the two position, right? So I think you could you could maybe play him and Kyrie in the same backcourt. I, I would assume that he'd start, maybe not. Old Depot too. So um, I think it probably comes down to, A, what you have to give up in the deal if you're Brooklyn. But, B, you know, if you're talking about the better fit and the more sure thing, you're going Drew Holiday because Victor Old Depot, you know, he's coming off that really tough injury, um, takes a while to rehab that injury and get back to where you were pre-injury. And, you know, we, we don't know. Like, I'm sure he will get back there, but – you don't know if you're the Nets. Like that's an uncertainty, and so you need somebody who you can who you can kind of plug in right away, and you know is going to produce because it's championship or bust next season. So I would think Drew Holiday would be the target ahead of Oladipo just because of those factors. Do you think that Bradley Beal in Washington is a ship sailed? Or excuse me, Bradley Beal going from Washington to the Nets is a ship sailed. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's a sure thing, but I certainly think that for obvious reasons, teams are going to continue to, to monitor that situation. And, uh, you know, if he's there at the beginning of the year, which I think he will be, mm -hmm. if they get off to a slow start or they struggle again, like you saw how frustrated he was last year Scoop with losing. And then he doesn't get 
the the designation those awards that you know he probably deserved because of the numbers that he put up. He seemed to be an All NBA player to me. So you just wonder if the frustration builds up, and both sides say or he says, "Let's you know get me out of here, get some get something in return for me." Because uh, I'm gonna walk at the end of my contract. I like that's just what people are are monitoring. But I wouldn't say like him to Brooklyn is a short thing or anything like that. I think it kind of depends on uh, how the Wizards do early in the season, or if a team totally blows Washington away with an offer. Which mm-hmm. uh, I would I'd be surprised if that happened between now and the beginning of next year. So before I go into the putback. I feel like with all these Zoom calls, all these stream yards, all these podcasts, this is taking me back to like grad school at Hofstra University mm-hmm. where I've got my blazer on, I've got my microphone on, I've mm-hmm. got my collar shirt and tie on, kind of like you. <laughs> Million dollar question. Do I look like a grad student? Is that what we're trying to say? No, nah, but check this out. <laughs> you have the setup in your house with SNY. How often or not, are you rocking basketball shorts on the set because they can't see it? <laughs> uh, I have right now. I have shorts, not basketball shorts, but I've definitely <laughs> I haven't worn pants since March. So since we've been working remotely, I have not worn pants. I just there's no reason for it. So I'm always shorts. I'm always comfortable. Basketball shorts, regular shorts. That's always the case. I just want to be comfortable. And and you know, man, like. <laughs> no one is seeing you from the waist down. Although, there, wasn't there a clip on, uh, I think it was maybe ABC. Yes. The guy was doing a hit. <laughs> the camera was going to his boxer. So you want to avoid that. But certainly, there's no need to put pants on right now. No. Um, I think it's, it's. I mean, let me ask you this. The wait, wait, wait. I got a question for you, actually. Okay. Is that when we met? Were you in grad school? Because I could tell you where we met. You may not remember. Carmelo's. Basketball camp, St. John's. Yeah, I remember that because you introduced yourself to me, and I was like, "I like this kid. He's aggressive, appropriately aggressive." Is is what I remember thinking. And I was like, "I like that. I'm. I feel like I'm gonna. I'm gonna see Brandon a lot uh, moving forward here." So I do remember when we met, and then we had, you know, we were talking to Carmelo about X, Y, Z, whatever was going on at the time. But I was like, eh, "This kid knows what he's doing. I like him." So, sources say. So. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony, to me, I miss him in New York. Would you like to see him come back? For me, the only team I root for is my family. Like I said, I don't really, I don't have a rooting interest in what the Knicks do or anybody else does. But I think it would make for a great story if Carmelo were to come back here and, you know, have a have a different ending than the way it ended uh, when he got traded, you know, Phil Jackson, all that stuff. I think it would just be it would be good to have like this positive ending here in New York for him. And, you know, I'm sure he would be welcomed back with open arms because of uh, Leon Rose being his former agent. So, you know, if it was something that made sense for both sides, you know, I think it would be tremendous for him. And also just guessing. Right. I would I would assume that sure. his number, uh, you know, would be retired at the Garden if he did finish his career here because of who's in charge now. So, you know, there are just reasons that would make it. Uh, a good story. Um, you know, I, I think that if the Knicks do trade for Chris Paul, I think, you know, Carmelo would come with them. Um, I don't, I don't know specifically where things stand with Carmelo now, what he wants to do, but I do think if that scenario comes into play, it's much more likely that he ends up here. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. You know, they, as you know, Brandon, they 
were going to bring them back last year. The Knicks, mm-hmm. if they were going to, if they were to get Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, they were going to bring Carmelo back. So um, there's previous interest there. There were people in the organization who actually wanted to sign him during this past season. Felt like he could help stabilize them and certainly help in the locker room. So I'm sure there's going to be interest on the Knicks side, and just we'll see what happens with uh, with Carmelo. Well, I can tell you, KD was on the fence. Kyrie was never coming to the Knicks. Yeah. So I can tell well, you. Can I ask you this? Because the world, and when I say the world, the NBA world, treated it as even people at the Cavs, the, the summer before last summer, they all thought Kyrie was going to come to the Knicks. So was that, was that never, ever, ever happening? Because I know he soured on it over the course of the year, but never. It was never coming to the Knicks. So the Knicks had a really terrible read on that thing because somebody somebody sold them the Brooklyn Bridge and they yeah they had a bad read because they felt like they had a shot. This is what I'll tell you. Um, all that stuff with Kai and 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 KD in that in that tunnel with two contracts. So that happened that Sunday in Charlotte. I was out there. I was with Kyrie and KD the night before at a Jordan party. On, on on a Friday, we were all hanging out, and uh, those guys were were inseparable that whole weekend. I can tell you that we were having conversation about a myriad of different things. I keep it private, radio. but what I will tell you is that conversation that y'all saw on video was nothing compared to the conversations that they were having. They were taping podcasts. They were, if you notice, I was ta- I was writing the word intellectual property. I was hinting a lot without putting stuff out there. KD. Mm made his final decision that Thursday leading to um, free agency. And he announced it. Like, I remember they moved free agency to like June 30th that day. Right. He had made up his mind that Thursday. Uh, I got a call. Um, Kyrie was never joining the Knicks. Um, him being from West Orange and him, um, his godfather, Rod Strickland, playing for the Knicks. I mean, he knew the politics. He grew up a Nets fan. Kyrie had made up his decision in um, – that January or February. It was being openly talked about, I'm told. Um, and what I'll say is um, KD was on the fence. Um, what changed in some people's minds was the injury that KD had right. um, with the Warriors. But um, I don't think that they became a package deal or decided they could be a package deal until NBA All-Star Weekend. I was with them. I can tell you that. Um, but I, I ultimately think it came down to n- not having the pressure of um, following behind Patrick Ewing, John Starks, uh, Willis Reed, uh, Walt Clyde Frazier, and creating their own legacy, not in New Jersey, in Brooklyn, and starting something that special that had kind of like when LeBron decided not to play for the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that was their, that, I can tell you that, that that was their line of thinking. That's, I mean, it's fascinating because I know that there are, there are Nick people who felt like if Durant didn't get hurt, he would have come here, and obviously, if he's coming here, he's coming here with a different player. He's not coming with Kyrie, um, and so that's kind of fascinating to think about who, what made them confident about that, and who it would have been if it wasn't Kyrie. I know the Knicks; they started to feel pessimistic, at least from what I was hearing, uh, sometime in May about Kyrie. Um, but before that, in April, I mean, there were people who felt that still. Both of those guys were coming here. So they had a bad read on Kyrie. And, uh, but with Kevin, you know, the pe- some people over there still felt, even as the days leading up to, you know, the final week or whatever, that they had a shot. And 
they felt that, you know, we don't, we don't know who else is going to come and the injury obviously hurts us, but we still feel like we're in the running. If Kyrie, I can tell you that there was a point like in de- between December and like February, March, I can speak more to Kyrie, as you know, Kevin is kind of a mixed bag. I leave that alone. However, as it relates to Kyrie, there was a point and there was a thought process that if he ultimately did not sign with the Nets, he would have considered resigning with the Celtics. Ultimately, when he sat down with Kevin, they decided that they were going to join forces in Brooklyn. And I can also tell you that in the summer of 2018, Kyrie and KD took a vacation together. And that is when Brooklyn was a discussion. So we're talking like August, September 2018. Almost they, a whole year before before the free agency. They met and were discussing being teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, Brooklyn was a discussion um, and a few other teams. Obviously, the Warriors wouldn't have been the discussion because they were jam-packed with Steph and Clay and all those other guys. But right. Katie and Kyrie, um, they are close basketball friends. Um, I think that best friend term gets used a lot, um, but they're close basketball friends and who have a mutual respect for one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I don't know, people, I think maybe some people who like pull the quotes of, from Durant or, or Kyrie from the podcast that they did, I don't know, maybe they didn't listen to the whole thing because I thought that there was some really just insight like into their relationship that I found interesting and I thought, you know, the, the collaborative coaching stuff I, that come that when you read that, you're a little surprised. But when you hear it in the flow of conversation, um, I think it, it makes a little bit more sense. And then when you hear Steve Nash yesterday or two days ago, whatever it was, talk mm-hmm. about, you know, he wants his players to have input in whatever they end up running. And he's not going to come in with a, a, a set of ideas that's immobile, that he's going to mm-hmm. kind of let the players kind of dictate the way the offense flows and changes or doesn't change. And he said, that's what Mike D'Antoni did too. So it makes, it makes sense. I just say that to say like, sometimes you see stuff like get isolated, like a quote gets isolated on social media, but having listened to the whole podcast, like it seems like the tone is different when you see it, you know, just the 20 words or whatever it is on its own, as opposed to the flow of a full conversation. Yeah, and I think what what also people don't look like Steve Nash. Uh, I, I've written this in my copy. Um, everybody knows Nash and KD go back to when Nash was a consultant with the Warriors. Um, in addition to Kai and, and and Nash playing against each other when Nash was still in the league and Kai was on the Cavs, um, Steve Nash used to have his kickball tournaments every summer, soccer, and in, in the village, right? Yes. Yeah playing those and um i had lunch with him some years ago and he marveled he had had such a a great respect for not just nash but a great respect for russell westbrook this was like a few days before he signed that extension with with cleveland Mm -hmm. um and this was before lebron actually came back and um Nash and Kai go back. I know Mason Plumley, a fellow Duke guy with, with Kai played in that kickball tournament or soccer tournament. There's a lot of guys, but that soccer tournament is a big draw uh, for a lot of retired and current players. Mm-hmm. I remember Joakim Noah, I think, was there a few years. 
I remember going there and just to, to interview guys afterward, and there's always a bunch of players there. You do the putback. I've seen the episode with Frank Isola, um, and I know Frankie that, Ice. Yeah, what'd you say? Frankie Ice. Yes, sir. And then I noticed that you got my guys. I saw them in the comments on Twitter. Chris Williamson, your co your coworker at SNY, as well as Kaz uh, Kazim Famuyide. Yes. Tell me about the putback and why people should watch. Yeah, so what I try to do is just like provide whatever information I have at the time and also have a guest that could kind of peel the curtain back a little bit on whatever they're seeing in the league or hearing about the league, whether it's uh, an analyst, ex-player, ex-coach, scout, whatever it may be. And also, you know, have the, the Nick fan uh, on the show to talk about uh, what they are feeling about the team at the time when you talk about Kaz. So it's kind of a mixed bag, but really I just want to have, uh, I want to be able to kind of peel the curtain back a little bit on whatever is happening with the Knicks or the Nets or in the league as a whole at the time. And so whether a guest could speak to it, I could speak to it. That's the goal. We're having a lot of fun. It's a quick show. It's 10 minutes. It's digital. We breeze through topics. And your guy, Chris Williamson, is tremendous. We've had a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's new. We're, we're still uh, – we we're working things out as we go. We're having a good time. And, uh, and I think it comes out every Wednesday. So I think as we continue to push forward to the draft and free agency, we're just going to have more and more uh, information for everybody. Dream guest on that show. Mm. I mean, that's good. I would say Durant or LeBron only because you know you know somebody's going to be watching if you get those guys on there. But honestly, just from a Nick perspective, I would be fascinated to be able to get either Phil Jackson or James Dolan. And I say that because Phil Jackson hasn't talked about the Nick stuff since it all ended. We'll be interested to get here his perspective on everything. Dolan doesn't do interviews at all, rarely does interviews. So again, just to be able to ask him anything about you know the history of the team and, and what, what happened 10 years ago, what's happening now, I think it would be fascinating. Um, I know you gotta run in a minute. I'm I'm curious to know, is New York City still a Knicks town? Here's my thinking on that, right? So this is I thought about it a lot last summer. What I think is, let's say Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and the Nets, they win a couple titles, right? And so you're drawing fans automatically because you're winning. What I think has to happen for them to get a significant foothold is those Net fans that are rooting for Kevin and Kyrie and this team and Steve Nash, they've got to stay in New York and then they have to pass that net fandom on to their children. So there's an, another generation of net fans because when you talk about the Knicks, like obviously they've been terrible for two decades. So you think, why do they have this loyal fan base? I think it's because, you know, the, the, the basketball fan who was rooting for them in the sixties and seventies, they stayed in New York, they had kids, they passed the fandom down to their kids. So it's a generational thing. So if the Nets can get that kind of foothold where you get that second generation of net fans, locally, that's when you're going to start to chip away at the, 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 the size of the fan base discrepancy. I think it's definitely possible, but I don't think it would happen right away if they win title a couple titles with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I don't think it happens immediately. I think it takes time. So 
that's the kind of the way I look at it. Uh, so for right now, it is a Nick town, but I think the Nets, they have an opportunity to, to certainly make a dent and make a big dent. Last question. Um, Dwight Howard and the Lakers, me, LeBron's team, but Dwight Howard, a member of the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, and, and Carmelo Anthony, a member of the Portland Trailblazers, are in a similar situation. They, 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 Chris Paul to a degree too, but more so Melo and, and, and Dwight Howard. They rebranded themselves. They proved that they still have it, that they're not washed. Mm-hmm. That being said, uh, when you look at Dwight and you look at Carmelo Anthony, are they both first ballot Hall of Famers? Yeah, uh, Carmelo, yes. I think Dwight, too, just because of the run he had in Orlando and the recognition that he got league-wide, the league awards, just how dominant he was as a player when he was healthy. I think, yes, he's a Hall of Famer. First ballot, I don't I don't know, but he's a Hall of Famer. Carmelo, without a doubt, because you take into account his college career, his uh, Olympic career, and his NBA career. You put that all together, he's absolutely a Hall of Famer. And, and honestly, though, with the Basketball Hall of Fame, it's like the, it seems like a, a, a kind of a, a lower bar than maybe mm-hmm. the Baseball Hall of Fame. And it's just because they, they encompass uh, not just the NBA, but everything. So maybe you make a case for Carmelo not being first ballot, but you put the, put the Syracuse title in there, you mm-hmm. put the Olympic career in there. There's no question. He won a lot of gold medals and a bronze one, too. <laughs> <laughs> Which he, what he, he threw that into the water or something? Right? <laughs> oh man. man! Well, Brandon, listen, man, I I appreciate you having me on. This is a lot of fun, and I love get, going back to when we met at Carmelo's camp. You, you said it was summer of twenty thirteen. Mm-hmm. I love seeing your rise, bro, and I and I root for you, and I'm sure it'll continue, and I'm really happy for you. I'm happy for you too, man. You got your own spread at SNY. You 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 started off hot at ESPN, made your way to SNY, but before that, you were at the Daily News, right? Yes, sir. Daily News covering high school basketball, man. I, and there are days where I really miss that because there's nothing like meeting people in the New York City basketball community. So much fun to cover AAU high school basketball, and it's funny because kids then, the players then, they actually want to talk to you. They want yep. their story told. Now it's like, ah, yeah, we don't have time for the media. But back then they love it. So I love, love covering high school basketball in New York for the Daily News. Sounds like Ben Simmons running for me. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it is. I do. I do. <laughs> A pleasure, sir. And um, I know you got to run, but thank you for your time. Hey, Brandon, thank you for having me, bro. Best of luck. Continued success with the show, with everything. And I uh, look forward to joining you again soon. My brother, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brent. And this is Scooby Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Duncan. Kaboom! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. 
With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.